Hello, Aaron O'Rourke. Hello, Dan Landrum. What do you know? What do I know? Nothing. That's not true. You're hey, full of stuff. I, I, I do have a question for you. All right. Actually, because I, I don't know this. So I'm guessing that intro music is you and Steve Seifert playing? Yes. Did you do more than one track of Hammer Dulcimer? I put cajon on that. So do you remember where that came from? Because you did a cut for that too, that same thing. I did? Yep. Oh, wow. Not for this, not for this track. Oh. But it's from, remember the very first... Key West Dulcimer Festival when Bing had that. Oh, right. Did yeah. he do a track for his CD? Y- well, yeah, we pulled it from an already existing CD. <clears throat> okay. Uh, I wrote that piece for that CD, and I really liked it. Oh, cool. <clears throat> and, you know, that was hardly anybody ever heard that. I mean, it was just yeah. for that event. And so I pulled it for this. Cool. And so that's why the feel of it is kind of Caribbean. Nice. Me. Yeah. But I don't remember... I played it on a piano dulcimer, I'll tell you that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't see that too much. No. You, you know, I use it more than people know. Sometimes if I have to record something quickly. Uh, like uh, in 2010 when we did that uh, thing where I had people send in sheet music, mm-hmm. uh, original compositions for DPN. Yeah. I got a bunch of hammered dulcimer stuff that was... I mean, some of the people who wrote it couldn't play it. So they wrote these things out and maybe they'd pick them out on a piano or they'd send me a MIDI file, but they'd actually never played it. That's cool. Excuse me. And some of those things would have been a little hard to play uh, on a diatonic, but they're really easy on the piano dulcimer. That's awesome. Doesn't that raise the question, though? Why don't you play piano dulcimer more often? Actually, yeah, it does a little bit. Why don't you play piano dulcimer more often? Why why don't I? Uh, Comfort level? Is it because then dragging around one hammer dulcimer is already enough yeah there labor? is that yeah like, and most space. of what right and most of what I've the thought of uh, creating an entire show based on a new instrument yeah that's tough it's tough it's really uh, they're not even almost the only thing that's the same between a piano dulcimer and a hammer dulcimer is the fact that you hit it with sticks. And the hammering technique is very similar. Okay. But the note layout is like the difference between an elephant and a snake. <laughs> okay, so what are some advantages to the piano dulcimer? I don't know much about hammer dulcimer at all. I know that we've run in the same crowd. Um, I know we're both a little weird, but I don't know much about... <laughs> you talking about how the instruments you... <laughs> or us personally? <laughs> yeah, those of us that, that gravitate <laughs> towards these. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the advantage... And this is one man's opinion, by the way. Anybody listening, I don't want to start some more. But a piano dulcimer, I think they have better tone. Really? To my, to my ear, my subjective ear. And it's a Sam Rosetta. It's a straight-up Sam Rosetta invention, the okay. piano dulcimer as it stands. And you play... You and I recorded with it once. You remember that? That Arkansas oh, Traveler yeah. thing we did Arkansas a few years Traveler. ago? Arkansas Traveler, yeah. Because it has those... We were doing like two, five, one progressions and yeah, moving I think it, all around. I think it was in F sharp, some of it. Yeah, and, the kind of thing yeah, you would modulated. not do. Yeah, you just wouldn't do on a, on a diatonic hammer dulcimer because it's okay. just too hard. <clears throat> but because that thing has... It's got the single bridge down the center and then the bigger ones have little bridges that go partially up on the side. It's... Uh, very chromatic and for people who know what this is it's on one side of the main bridge you have a whole tone scale and on the other side of the bridge you have a whole tone scale so it's just like whole tone scales play half of all the notes okay and they skip some Mm -hmm. but they don't go they don't stay major if that makes sense so so tell me if I'm wrong, okay. the, if I'm understanding you correctly. So you've got one side of the bridge, you've got a note, and then immediately on the other side of the bridge, is that a half it's step? It's a half step up. Okay, and so then you down. go you know, one course up and back to the other side. That's a half step from where you just yes. came from. Okay. Yeah, I, I wish see. I had one here. What I have in front of me is a you know regular diatonic instrument. So looking at a D scale, mm-hmm. if I hit the D on the right side of the bridge, and then I go to the left side of the bridge, I've gone up a fifth. Okay. But on a, a piano dulcimer, I'd be going up a half step. So I'd have to go from 
D, two. That would be going across. Now, on this hammer dulcimer, I had to reach way down into the left to get that note. But <clears throat> it's odd. Can you play, because your instrument is diatonic. I'm looking at yours right now. Yeah. And you've got a, you have a one and a half fret on this. Yeah. And a six and a half fret, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But octaves. it's not chromatic, what's no. in your hands. What's in, people, what's in your hands? People can't see. Okay, so I'm playing a, pretty much a standard dulcimer with a mountain dulcimer with a six and a half fret and a one and a half fret. So that gives me in DAD tuning, really common dulcimer tuning, gives me on the melody string an F or a minor third, and also gives me the C sharp or the major seven. Right. Yeah. So you've got that added because of the half step. Yeah. Now, play a D whole tone scale. Okay. And I want to, I'm putting him on the spot because Aaron's a genius, but he still has to stop and think about it. I do. Because it's weird. Yeah, because uh, there's a lot of notes I don't have. And, and a whole tone scale, by the way, means just every interval is, is a whole, whole tone. step. Is yeah. a whole step. Wait, wait, wait. You're cheating. You're bending the notes. Yeah, exactly. That's the only way I can play those notes. Oh, because they don't even exist. No. Well, no, I mean, really? I, could, I could play here. Now, but see, he just bent. But one. I had to. I still had to bend one there. But I did have the G sharp, the six and a half fret of the middle string. I did not realize that. Yeah, that's that. That's a an underused note on the mountain dulcimer. The six and a half on the middle string. Okay. Because we all hear there are no wrong notes on the mountain dulcimer. It's hard to sound bad, but that gives you. That's cool. Yeah. Is that creating a tritone? It yeah, is. It's yeah. Because yeah, whole tone scales and will include a tritone because right. it's three whole tones up. Mm -hmm. So for me, this would be more fun if this was a video podcast. <laughs> but I can do a whole tone scale, but watch, it's just all over the place. So oh, I can wow. reach way up there for that B flat. And then it's a whole tone up to a C, D, E. Now what do I go to? Because the F, which is falling here naturally, isn't going to work. I have to go to an F sharp. And then the next note up is a C again, so that's not going to work. So I've got to get to a C sharp. And where do you have right? that? So the C sharp's going to be... Okay. So it's just a big exploded pattern. Yeah, that's crazy. So back to a piano dulcimer, that weird scale, which you rarely play, but the intervals in it are really important, you get the C whole tone scale, it's called, on the right side of the bridge, and they call the other the F whole tone scale, because generally they think out of the key of C, mm -hmm. is on the left side of the bridge. Okay. But what you get on a diatonic hammer dulcimer, which is what this is, with an easy, an easy, sorry, that was something to do standing, an, an easy diatonic scale, mm -hmm. uh, is a lot of the notes repeat in different places. Mm -hmm. Some notes are on there three times on a, on this big instrument. Okay. And I don't think you you have that some, but you don't have it as much. Yeah. And it's really helpful for something that you hit with sticks, because. When you're doing something fast, you're going right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left. Mm -hmm. And there are some times where you've just hit a left <clears throat> and you really, the, the, maybe the note you need occurs right next to the left, but the left hammer has just done something and it's too busy. And so the right hammer needs to hit it and it maybe can't get back over or under the left. So it's decent when it occurs somewhere over on the right side. Okay. But it doesn't always. And it does more in some keys than others. And so that's one of the reasons why we tend to play in certain keys. Okay. Well, <coughs> you may have just answered my next question. Right. And, and I know you've talked about this on the podcast before. But um, the uh, when I saw you in Tallahassee playing with the symphony, the Harianos yeah. suite, I was wondering if it... Because I know some parts that were really challenging. And I was wondering if it may have been easier or more doable on a piano dulcimer. Yeah, would would have definitely been. Why didn't you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I actually started out to. Oh, really? Yeah. So what made you switch back to him? Because I had learned the most important movement of mm -hmm. it, the fourth movement, on a diatonic. Mm -hmm. and it was already in muscle memory, and it was going to be one extra thing I had to learn. I okay. would have to. That's hard to do sometimes, is to relearn something you already know. Yeah. Though relearning it on a on a piano dulcimer is it's so close. I mean, yeah. it's so different that it would be like. But it's almost like the difference between relearning it on a piccolo. 
Okay. Because it's like a whole new thing except the hammers, you know, the way hammers work. By the way, on a side note, I, I listened to the podcast that you did with Steve after he got back from the from Oregon playing oh, yeah. the concerto. You were talking about playing with orchestras, and I was really hoping you were at least going to mention it's uh, it's not a good idea. <laughs> if Don't you... say it. Don't say it. <laughs> no, I, I'm <laughs> If good. you think the conductor is going in for a hug. All right, you got to back up and just... <laughs> You might be going in for a handshake. Yes. So, awkward moment. <laughs> in front of a nice packed house there. Yeah. So, at the end of the concert, the conductor leans over. And I think he's... I think he's reaching down to give me a hug. Apparently, that doesn't happen that often. And so, I reach up to hug him. And he's kind of a, a stiff European anyway. Big guy. And he says, no, 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 much less, this is much less awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was already nervous being up because I just, I just joined Aaron you Aaron was for, on stage with me. Yeah. I just yeah. joined you for the, the encore. Right. Thank you for asking me. That was a lot of fun. That was fun. On a side note. Um, but then once we finished playing, I didn't really know what to do. And I didn't uh, Apparently wanna... I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> and so when the conductor walked down, I thought he was going in for handshake. And then Dan just intercepted him with a full-on hug. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I heard him say, it's much less awkward if we do this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but what I think is really, the, even the funnier part to us, it may not be to you guys listening, but I was so embarrassed. <laughs> I mean, Mary's to the point that I wanted to crawl in a hole because I realized, okay, that was kind of a social faux pas. It's created there. And I didn't say anything about it. And Aaron's a really nice guy. And he didn't say anything about it either. It was maybe a week later. We were talking on the phone. And I called him. I said, by the way. <laughs> and it was such. I remember what I told him to you. We both laughed so hard we really cried. I was yeah. on the front porch. <laughs> I just loved hearing you say. I, I thought he was going in for a hug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if any if any potential conductors who who might like to do some hammer dolls, I will not hug you unless you expressly <laughs> tell me, "Come on, let's hug it out." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then I'm in. <laughs> All right. To finish the yeah. thread we were talking about, not that it's that important, but the okay. piano dulcimer I think has better tone if the tone you want is like a piano. Because it's, okay. uh, and Sam Rosette has explained it to me, it has to do with the bracing in the instrument. Because you've got just pretty much all the pressure going to that one spot, okay. there's not as much stuff inside it. And also in a very small space, in the space of what, like a 1211 instrument, you get tremendous note range. So they're really light and easy to carry around. But they're a little harder to kind of, they're a little harder to do groove-based stuff on, which is kind of also part of what, is that because of the, the doubling of certain notes that you have on hammer dulcimer that yeah. more easily allows you to do the groove exactly. stuff? Okay. You, you know, in this evolution that we're seeing now, like with Dusty Strings' new D6... Well, my my instrument that I'm in love with is this Sam Rosetta that's in front of me now, yeah. uh, carbon fiber instrument. Multiple reasons why I love it, but one is it brings that piano tone to a hammer dulcimer in a way that I've never had before. And, and I feel bad because there aren't more of these around. I wish everybody could, could get one of these. <laughs> And I really do. I mean that. I'm not yeah. like, I have the best instrument. No, I, I know but, how you feel. <laughs> but I love yeah. it. I'm just in love yeah. with this thing. Yeah. But he has the bass bridge on both sides and a damper system that works. And this is kind of the design idea for Dusty String's new D670, which also has the bass bridge on both sides. Mm -hmm. The super bass bridge, I should say. Which allows you to really, having, having those two things makes it so easy to do stuff like this. stuff easily so this that you're hearing is going from the left to the right side of the instrument and then I just move the right hand over a little bit and I can get the octave and bring okay. that in now the the Dusty Strings D670 has way more notes than mine does mm -hmm. but yeah that's I'm not I love this thing <laughs> yeah it's um it, it might be worth mentioning this is the first time I've seen this instrument oh and that's true after it? It, yeah I I I'm loving this instrument too, without being a hammer dulcimer player. Yeah. I will, I will say it's uh, it's really interesting. This is probably the lightest I've seen you play. 
hammered oh, dulcimer. so easy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I get great tone just by with this. That's barely touching. In my practice this morning, mm -hmm. uh, before you you came in, Aaron's uh, visiting here right now with his darling wife, Mickey. And anyway, yeah. so before they were up this morning, I was practicing, which I tend to do in the mornings. And I'm working on these. Uh, and it's going to lead into actually what we kind of said that we might want to talk about today. It's working on a particular rudiment that I play or ornamentation ornament that I've never been happy the way it sounds when I come off the left hand on it. Okay. And so I'm trying to make it sound like the right hand so I can keep it light. And I was using Banished Misfortune for it. And I can execute it better if I bang it. Okay. And But I don't want to do that. I want to be able to bring that really light ornamentation in while I'm playing lightly so I have all these other options for dynamic range. And so mm. that's that's the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night. <laughs> <laughs> that and heartburn and yeah. <laughs> stomach virus recently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should do a uh, you should have some ad space on, on this for Prilosec or something. Yeah, Prilosec's yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so what we talked about. Was that, did that answer any all your piano versus? It, it did, but can I ask you one more question? You can ask as many as you want. I mean, hammer dulcimer. Yeah. So this is a carbon fiber. This instrument. one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's really interesting. You you said that you don't really have to tune it much at all. No, you've right? seen that. I mean, it's. Do you think that that's the way that hammer dulcimers are going to move in the future? I don't know. Carbon fiber is such a dangerous thing to work with. So. You don't see people going, hey, let's build a carbon fiber, you know, let's put carbon fiber trim in my house, you know, because <laughs> even if you could buy carbon fiber beams that, you know, two by fours or whatever, you wouldn't want, you can't just cut them on a regular saw. The okay. safety equipment that you have to have, if you get a piece of carbon fiber in your eye, you know, it's like getting glass or worse than glass because it's just, it's more toxic. Uh, and the dust... It's carbon. It's not going to disintegrate anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, mm -hmm. when we talk about the half lives of things, they use carbon as the base. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the carbon <laughs> half life because this stuff, it just lasts and lasts. And whereas if you got some wood fibers in your lungs, they would, you know, it might mess you up and make it, you, you could get a cold and get an infection around it, but. Not a cold, I mean, but get an infection mm. and, you know, build up an inflammation mm. around it. But your body would be able to expel it. That's not going to happen with carbon. Uh, or, or if it did, you know, it's not going to be pretty. Okay. So I think that's one of the main reasons that you don't see it a whole lot. And I see. A lot of folks have gone to carbon, more of a carbon molding kind of thing where there's less... I'm talking about this like I know what I'm talking about. I need to <laughs> really quickly bail out of that. But I do notice that most of the time, like when you see carbon instruments... Mm -hmm. It's a molded kind of thing. And I think that's less hand done. You know, you get the mold done. Like the carbon harps that oh, have become right. so popular. Uh, Sam made this by hand, you know, and worked all this stuff and knows what he's doing. So I don't know. Maybe. But. Huh. And I've always felt. Oh, I have to be careful. Sam, if you're listening, I, I don't mean this in a bad way. As much as I love this instrument. It's not as pretty as a wooden instrument. I understand. Like, it's, a, it's not. Yeah. And it's pretty in its own way. I love it. And I could photograph it in a way that makes it look like standing. as like it yeah. reminds you of a grand piano or something. But really, it's... I do yeah. like the wooden touches on it. Like, yeah, I think you probably had to do that. Yeah. Yeah. We probably shouldn't talk about this too much because okay. I've already talked about it too much. Sure. But, uh, tonally, I don't care if an instrument's made out of rocks. Mm -hmm. Because what I want is something that's playable and mm -hmm. has good tone. Yeah. And for me, I've found that instrument. Yeah, the first carbon fiber guitar I played, I remember looking at it and not wanting to like it. And at some point, uh, when I stepped outside and it was raining and came back inside and it was still in tune, I thought, <laughs> well, I'm just being really shallow. This sounds great and it's functioning exactly how I want a guitar to function. Yeah. Well, seeing, uh, seeing David Wilcox step outside under an awning mm -hmm. 
at a, at a performance with it pouring down rain, doing all his warm-ups with his guitar under an awning. Just rain everywhere, rain rolling down off, making a curtain in front of him in front of the awning with a carbon fiber guitar. Like, okay, that's huge. Yeah. Because you couldn't do that. Mm. I mean, <laughs> you brought your... Uh, first, you wouldn't want the splashes. Right. But I'm sure he didn't want splashes on his either because you want your strings getting wet like that. Mm-hmm. But the instrument would be wonky for a long time, wouldn't it? Just a regular oh. wooden guitar? Oh, there's no way I, I would want to do that with my, my good all. Um, and that's a, it's a fine guitar. It's uh, I love it, but I'm not going to risk taking madagascar rosewood <laughs> right <laughs> into into a downpour there aren't going to be too many more guitars made like that, like that. and, That's and right. i and also i can't afford it <laughs> yeah but, uh, it's true so i, I do want to say it's not just about the lightness though of the carbon fiber and i obviously didn't buy it for its looks i bought this mm. because i fell in love with the tone yeah and and Sam was really clear. He said, "If you don't like it, there's no obligation." You know, and he—I mean, he wasn't just saying that. He really meant it. He said, "No mm. problem if this isn't what you want." Yeah. You know. Cool. But it's what I wanted. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I was talking about my dulcimer again. I'm a little bit obsessed. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, so what we talked about, maybe talking about on uh, this dulcimer geek podcast, which, by the way, we never really finished our intro. Aaron's here. Oh yeah, <laughs> Aaron O'Rourke. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing really Let's just well. Start over again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Aaron and I have had some projects going on for a while that we haven't completed. Uh, like we want to do an album with Hammer Dulcimer and Mountain Dulcimer. Yeah. You know, I saw a picture a couple of days ago with. Uh, boy, I'm embarrassed. I don't remember. It was Doug Birch with. He was by his hammer dulcimer, and I can't remember who the mountain dulcimer player was. I don't know if it was Jerry. Anyway, I think it's time there be more hammered and mountain dulcimer togetherness again. Yeah. But I have no desire to recreate what other people have done. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of, Aaron and I both write a lot. Most of my albums yeah. have been original things. And I recognize that I probably could make more money if most of my albums were songs that people already like. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know that. I know that. But I'm not telling the truth. I wouldn't be being honest. I would just be doing that to make money. Yeah. Which I probably should have done. (laughs) Looking back at it now. (laughs) But that's not really what kept me interested. I just, I like the the way these things sound. And uh, so... I guess I'm talking about the way I see it too much. The reason I want to do it is because I think we can create something kind of unique. And we're both either brave enough or foolish enough to think we can pull this off and have it be something other people might like too. I hope so. What's your yeah. take on why? Why would you want to record with me? <laughs> why? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot about your playing that, that I like, and I've never really gotten to play with uh or really dive in depth with a note bearing percussive instrument and there's just some really cool groove based ideas that you can execute while also being versatile melodically does that make sense yeah and i know we talked about rhythmic being an idea for yeah. uh, for um i can't remember like a cd title i think right but I think that rhythmic, that kind of, I think that pretty accurately represents how I like to imagine in my mind's ear some things that we could explore. It's um, the the name still makes me think of Men Without Hats or something like a like an eighties <laughs> New Age band or something. A little we'll bit. scratch that. Um. <laughs> no, it's okay. I can I can be persuaded. Which, by the way, is the key to collaboration. It's yeah. if you really want it to be all your way. Mm. I mean, maybe you can. I don't, you know. I guess some people can do that, but yeah. I don't think I can afford to do that. It's <laughs> <laughs> not what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, let's let's make this be uncomfortable for a minute. Huh. So let's talk about, and I don't, I don't, I think we can do this without going all negative, but I think we talk That's about good. stuff realistically. What would what would you not like to hear me adding? to a collaboration with the Hammer Dulcimer. Musically? Yeah. 
I don't know yet. Um, that is a really good question. Um, I don't know if I have a good a good answer for it right now. I mean, do you have it, being that you asked me that question? Do you already have? An oh, there's tons of things I don't me? like. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking we really don't rehearse what we're going to talk about yeah. and this stuff. And then Aaron really is being put on the spot right now. And I really just thought of that just then. But you know, the, I thought you would say like, there's a lot of hammer dulcimer stuff where people settle for out of tune instruments. Well, yeah, I thought that was just kind of an unspoken. <laughs> I don't know. With, uh, and that, nobody, yeah, of course, I would prefer to be into. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, no one get mad at me if I've helped you with a recording before. But I've had you know, some people that I've helped record, and I've stopped them mm-hmm. to the point of even making people a little bit irritated. Like, no, mm-hmm. you know, you you have two strings there, and one of them doesn't quite match the other, and you can get used to. There's a sound. Yeah, that's a there's a little bit of rub sometimes because mm-hmm. these things are hard to get perfectly in tune and keep perfectly mm-hmm. in tune, and your ear can get used to it. Like, no, that's just the overall timbre of the instrument, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't want that for this. I want this thing right. to be perfect. Yeah, and I would stop and redo anything, you know, mm-hmm. to make it be perfect. In fairness uh, to others, though, that might have had that experience. It can be intimidating going into the studio and suddenly hearing yourself in a new way. It You've is. got a lot going on in you your head. You may not even be able to hear it. Yeah, and it's um, yeah. Uh, it's really nice when someone's able to say, hey, you need to... <laughs> you know, something as simple as that, hey, you need to do that, hey, you need to do that section again. Because there's probably so much going through their head if they haven't recorded before or if they have limited experience in the recording studio. Yeah. All right, so let's just so think a mo- thing more along the lines of basic things like that. Mm-hmm. So I would say with a mountain dulcimer, I hate a pickup sound on a mountain dulcimer. I mean, I know yeah. they're necessary mm-hmm. to sometimes balance out or maybe get a little more sustain or a little more bass, but mm-hmm. uh, I just if you said no, 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 I don't want a mic. I want the sound coming directly out of my pickup. Exclusively, from exclusively, your I would know that I would not want to record with you. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that's not what you do. Yeah. But I'm just thinking of things that mm-hmm. this is probably a good conversation for us to have. Yeah. All right. What do you not like about? It? I like this. That... Can't be about me personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dan. Sometimes you do this. Thing I, I know. I know. Quit being weird, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck. <laughs> And, um, hmm. Yeah, I'm having a hard time. You know, one one thing that I will be interested in in seeing is how we record, uh, what our process is in producing. I know with you when we did oh, the really? Arkansas Traveler, um, your your method. Oh, I'm being at, we're being attacked by your dog. Come here, who's Bentley. blind and yeah, walking into the chair. Come here, Ben. Yeah. It's okay. If you hear clicking sounds, that's Ben. Yeah, the old here, blind dog. <laughs> I know when we recorded Arkansas Traveler, I know we, we did that in really little sections, like go a little bit, and if you messed up, shoot, let's do that again. Let's yeah. do that again. And I'd um, rather not do that with this. Okay. What do yeah. you think? That's the, the way that I've gotten most comfortable in this too has been limiting the amount of, doing full takes or you know full sections yeah. of a take, but limiting the number of takes at first, uh, because when you're listening through, it's a lot to keep track of in your head. And so I'm not following you completely. Well, if I do, if I do, you know, four takes of, uh, of, you know, maybe just the first time through a tune or the first section or the whole thing, I can break it down and listen go, okay, I'm going to listen to the first four measures of these four takes or five takes. And I think I can keep, elements of all of them in my head when I'm deciding how I'm going to build my working track. If I do, you know, eight or 10, that's where I'm in the past. I've gotten overwhelmed and I feel like that was a mistake that I made on my part. And I did too many tracks thinking, or did too many takes thinking, I know I can play this right. I know I can nail it. But isn't the last one that you do the one that you're going to keep in almost all cases? No. That's interesting. Yeah. It's a little I different for it, me that yeah. way. Okay. Because I usually, like, if I... So if I'm playing something that's a particularly hard section, mm-hmm. obviously I would like to have just from beginning to end 
Right. If something is a little more rubato, by the way, I can. That's easier to nail. But mm-hmm. for me, in particular, if I'm listening to a click track when I record, which mm-hmm. I often do, mm-hmm. which that's controversial. Oh really? Oh yeah. I didn't realize that was controversial. Well, so I had this experience where I'm not going to say the guy, but an amazing local musician who plays with lots of people on lots of recordings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I brought in for. I forget. I think it's for my Turning Point CD to do some stuff on. And I was doing what you're talking about. I was like playing a section till I got it right, got it mm-hmm. right. <clears throat> and he uh, he, he kind of went, man, he said, if Norman Blake was here right now, he'd just be shaking his head. <laughs> because he said Norman would never do that. And, and Norman's an amazing player. Mm-hmm. And there's a raw quality in listening to a Norman Blake. Are you familiar with him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, listening to a Norman and Nancy CD, which I enjoy, mm-hmm. they're not perfect. Oh, no. Yeah. And and I'll never produce anything that's perfect, but they don't play with a click track. And you can tell. Their, their songs speed up and slow down kind of mm-hmm. as they want to. And I think that's okay for that feel. Mm-hmm. But And they wouldn't call it rubato. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what's good. Rubato yeah. meaning uh, you kind of get to interpret the time right. as you go. That's I think that just fits with mm-hmm. old time music. It's not there's not as much it's not as strict. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I think bluegrass eliminates that a little bit. Bluegrass kind of wants to be a little stricter. Oh it yeah, seems. yeah. I mean, just like kind of dead on. Yeah, because everybody takes a part to make that happen. Mm-hmm. But that's not what I want to do as a bluegrass sound. Right. And so that's different still too. It's just that I'm trying. I don't know. I like the fact that when you have played me tracks of things that you've been working, this is where I think we are compatible on working on this stuff is we both tend to hear really minor rhythmic variations and go, now, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I can do better than that. Yeah. So to get the point across, it's not about being perfect, but it's about being satisfied with it myself. Yeah. And I don't like to hear something that makes me fall to feel like, Somebody dropped the groove a little mm. bit. Okay, so that that does come to an interesting point about what do you not want in a recording project, and I guess it you know pulling from other experiences in the past, and I have I've worked with some people who have said exactly this. Um, they're satisfied with with a you know however the track turned out after just one or two or. Yeah, one or two takes because that represents what they can do right now. And I had such a big problem with that because the CD isn't just right now. The CD is going to be around for a while. And I'm not trying to say that that mentality isn't legitimate, but I always felt like you can do better. It's just you didn't in that take necessarily. Well, maybe that, they can't, though. And maybe we can't at the point, which means, okay, you're just not ready to record this. Yeah. <clears throat> so you just got to back up and right. work on it a bit. I wish I remembered. So the same guy that I was telling you about who said mm-hmm. Norman would be shaking his head, mm-hmm. he asked me, and I, you know, I just had never thought about this, but he said, it depends on what you're trying to do right now. Are you trying to document something or produce something? That's interesting. That's a neat take <laughs> yeah. on that, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm trying to produce something. Mm-hmm. If it's a live performance, it's documentation. Right. If it's in the studio, it's like, no, you're in the studio. You got to take the time to clean it up. Yeah. Uh, not that not that products that projects that don't do that are are bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm one of saying that one of my favorite uh, recordings was the pizza tapes with uh, David oh. Grisman. Okay. And, Oh, it's so informal, and I mean they're they're great musicians. Jerry Garcia, yeah. Tony Rice, and uh, um, yeah, it's the three of them, uh, and they're just sitting around jamming, having conversation. It it is absolutely a documentation, <laughs> and not something too produced. But that's great. So I'm not trying to say that that's not legitimate, or anything like that. Um, and certainly anything live like that gets shown like, I mean, there's, we both have YouTube videos out there that someone has recorded. Oh, I know. And you're like, oh, I wish they had done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but there's some element that's kind of cool about it because yep. it was a moment. And yeah. It's, and yeah. really, you just have to go, 
it really, I mean, that's what really happened. Would you yeah. want it to be fake? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'd want it to be better than that. Right. I think it was okay, but you just sort of have to live with that. Yeah. And it really is a thing. And, <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. So, uh, thinking about the, the mountain dulcimer and recording, you know, I've heard a lot of recordings because we you, get a lot of recordings. You probably more than, than most people. Than most I people. I've think. heard just yeah. a ton of recordings. And... Uh, just in general, anything that we have to lot of, add a lot of reverb to to make it sound better. <laughs> That's not yeah. something that we're going to keep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It needs to be dry and recorded well. Mm-hmm. I really like the voice of a mountain dulcimer. Yeah. And I've never been able to describe it well. But to me, of all the instrument timbres, it's one of the more throaty as far as trying to compare it to human stuff, mm-hmm. it feels like it's more of a throaty thing. And the hammer dulcimer uh, is really more obnoxious in that throaty range. When it gets throaty, it's like a, to me, it's like a bad throaty. But the mountain dulcimer has a really pure voice. You know, it's like a tenor. Interesting. To me. And the hammer dulcimer is like a bad tenor. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and it could be a really beautiful soprano and a really nice baritone. But it's not really a bass, and it's a bad tenor. That's the way I'd look at it. But you, like, nail. And sometimes when you try to be a bass, it's not as effective. Right. You know, it's especially if you're playing hard. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? I mean, no, that's I just my say, interpretation. Yeah, I would say that's... Um, the comment about the bass, that's accurate. It, it is really interesting hearing you compare Mountain and Hammered. It's... it's um, Having this conversation with Steve Seifert as well, I, I think you know, as someone hearing him talk about the mountain dulcimer, as I know you're familiar with, like something that he loves, but there's a lot about it that drives him crazy. And I feel the same way about mountain dulcimer. When I hear hammer dulcimer, I'm like, oh, that's just so cool. I love, <laughs> I love. Isn't that. that funny? But when I, I was asking you the question, I can tell you all the things you shouldn't like about right, this. Yeah, <laughs> you're probably going to be better with yours. Right. Yeah, and I, yeah. I wonder if it's you. Know, from having spent so much time with it and tried so many different things, we're maybe hyper aware of the, you know, this little overtone here or this harmonic resonance yeah. that sticks out to us. And uh, so we're bound to be less satisfied with our own instruments and have instrument yeah. envy to some extent. But then we, as we come together and try to collaborate on something, we absolutely have to find spaces for each instrument to, yeah. to speak within that. And mm-hmm. so... What's your lowest note? So for me, that's that D, but then I can go an octave below that. And by the way, even right now, I want to, I want to make an excuse for what I just heard. Sure. Because I think this is the Dulcimer Geek podcast, and if you're not interested in this stuff, you're probably not listening still. <laughs> you know, at this point. But hopefully, people who are listening are interested in the geekiness of it. So. Normally, the way I record this podcast is with a, a AKG uh, 414, which is a really expensive mic. It's about yeah. $1,200 mic, right in front of my face with a windscreen in front of it. Mm-hmm. Today, this is probably sounding a bit uh, noisier in here. And as a matter of fact, the uh, air conditioning system just oh, kicked yeah. on in the room. Did <laughs> you hear right. that? Yeah. Hey, this is going to be awkward, and I'm not going to edit this. But Angie, would you mind turning the air off? Oh, and this this next sentence is or little thing is in parentheses. On the last podcast, I mentioned that Jess Dickinson was coming to mm-hmm. stay, and I didn't have a door in the bathroom. Oh. I would like for you to. Oh yeah, there's a wonderful door on the bathroom. Well, now. wonderful. <laughs> it doesn't close all the way. Doesn't close all the way. <laughs> <laughs> but you can. How about the door on the on my studio? Oh yeah, that's. There is no door. It, it, <laughs> yeah. it has character. It does, still. As yeah. my wife would say. You can see sheetrock. Yeah. And so <laughs> that's why it's really easy for me to just talk across the house and ask yeah. Angie to turn off the, yeah. <laughs> the heat that just came on. Everyone knows that Angie is your wife, right? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Oh. But they do now. Angie is Dan's wife. We were trying to keep that a secret. <laughs> <laughs> Things are getting real serious between them. That's right. We don't yes. kiss as much as you newlyweds do, though. But I'm sorry. Anyway. Well, 
try and keep that too. So long. back to uh, where, where were we going? We were talking about, and I was really interested in the conversation. Oh yeah, you were you were the technical. Oh, the technical part of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So the re- even that air conditioner coming on just now, which you heard mm-hmm. and I heard, really wouldn't bother me normally doing a podcast because the mic is so close and I have the level turned down. Mm-hmm. But because we knew we wanted to kind of really talk about the way we use the instruments on this one today. We're just using one mic each, Bar- mm-hmm. uh, Barrett. <laughs> Aaron's in front of Baron. When you're Barrett. playing with Aaron, Barrett, that's what I call you, or Aaron. Sa- saves a lot of time. That's yeah. right. Yeah, it's Baron. Yeah, put those sticks down. <laughs> anyway, we both have these four fourteens are a little bit far away from us. Not ideal for voice or dulcimer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but kind of a compromise. But that's okay. This is. This is documentation, (laughs) what we're doing right now, not really production so much. Yeah. So anyway, those kinds of things matter as well, right down to the way you mic and the mic technique. And the way I fussed about the pickup, I'm not saying don't use a pickup because when we record you, we will use a pickup. It's just that that will serve a very specific role in the mix. And there will be times probably when we don't have it in there at all. Yeah. And there'll be times when you do have it in. And sometimes those times are when you're playing low notes. Yeah. In the, in the past, when I, was, uh, when I was recording at a studio, we had um, two mics on the dulcimer. Um, and we're, we were also using the pickup. And my favorite setup for this was to, was to pan both of the mics. Not, maybe That's not so necessarily funny. equally, but the pickup was right in the middle. And we only isolated the low notes from the pickup. And it might be panned, you know, to one side or the other, just slightly to. Compensate. Did I give you that idea, or is that one of you? No, because that's exactly what I do. Okay, that's I use cool. two mics, so yeah. I get a nice stereo movement across mm-hmm. the instrument, uh, and my pickup. I'll, I'll end up dropping the, those low notes that I have not EQ'd out. Plop them down right in the center of the thing. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. How weird is that? We yeah, might have and, to play with that some. Yeah. If I would go to a strummy droney section. Usually we'd just bring the level of the pickup down because yeah, that's re- where it would start to get nasty usually. Yeah, exactly, because it picks up too much pick noise. Yeah. Right? Well, and it's this pickup uh, is a little bit bass heavy, and mm-hmm. so it's really going into a strummy section, that bass would just overwhelm the melody, keeping it at the same level where we would have for a flat picking section, which would give oh, it a lot of, of body. Yeah. But... uh yeah, so I any time that I was going into a strummy bit with drones, uh, that pickup would always be coming down. You know what they're going to tend to is if you're strumming more. Now, you're a light player almost yeah. all the time, mm-hmm. but you get excited every now and then. Every once in a while, yeah. I want to. Yeah. yeah, and the pickups <laughs> tend to distort just a little bit. Yeah. And what's weird is, uh, if I don't know, if you haven't done a lot of audio, you may think of distortion as just... You know what you see, where it actually it's it's called overmodulating. It actually drives up past what the recording gear can do, but that's not necessarily true. Sometimes it drives past what the pickup can do, so it's just the sound that's coming from the pickup. It's not overmodulating your recording. It just sounds bad. Yeah, uh, and you can get used to that and just say, "Well, that's the way a dulcimer sounds." I just don't. I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah. Because they sound really good. And there's that whole thing about knowing what they sound like from a distance, too. Mm-hmm. There's some of that that you want to try to recreate. Yeah. And the pickup can mess that up because it can make everything sound too close to you. That was that was a really fun and interesting thing to discover in the studio when uh, Corey, a uh, friend who I, the engineer who I was working with, when we were setting mics up one time, um, he set... He set a microphone up, you know, pointed at this top sound hole. So mm-hmm. I'm on the side that's closest to me near the bridge and pointed it almost ear height right at it. And I said immediately like, oh, I love that sound. And he was like, I've not done setting the microphone up. Are you sure you like that? <laughs> and, he, and I was like, oh, yeah, I love that. You were wearing and, headphones? Yeah. Okay. And he said... It, he stopped and he goes, oh, that's funny. And he said, well, yeah, the microphone right now is about the same distance as your, as ear. your ear. From That might be why you love it so yeah. much. Well, that's what but, you uh, want, though. Yeah. I mean, well, maybe. But that's what I want. I, I, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of the reasons the way I place the mics the way I place them. Because I don't think anybody gets to hear how grand this is but me. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm right over it. You know? And it sounds best... It's going to sound best to the player. Do you ever try explaining that to your audiences? Like, now, if you were me, you would have really enjoyed that that piece. Of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounded like a mistake or something, yeah. but it wasn't really. That was up close. That was, or it's, I think it was Churchill who said, "Wagner's music is better than it sounds." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like that quote. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I say. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so well, I can't believe we've. Uh, so what we were going to do, we haven't done yet. But this has been has been interesting. It's actually been good for me to hear some of this stuff from you. I I, I know that you don't do this, but I don't like really hard strumming. Yeah. On a mountain dulcimer, it tends to distort. Yeah. If you're over strumming, mm-hmm. but you don't do it. you don't do that. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, Bentley greeting someone. Oh, I wonder if my wife is home. It might be Nikki coming yeah. back, so oh. we might have to wrap this up soon. Yeah. Or maybe she wants to come in and talk to us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can ask stories, questions about how you met. I'm sure that'll go over really well. <laughs> yeah. But if you hear her walk in, this is, uh, this is live and unedited. Not really live. We're live. Yeah. That's a weird thing when they say this is a live program. You're like, yeah. well, I've never seen the dead ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You so, know, yeah, oh, go. One of the things that you mentioned about strumming too hard, that might be because... A lot of people use lighter gauge strings. Okay. I I use a bit heavier. I know Steve Seifert uses heavier. There there are several that use heavier gauge strings, but there's so much give that I think that it, it's really easy to overdrive. They distort. Yeah. Well, I, that's not what I mean. They they mess with pitch. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's not really a distortion like something's overmodulating. Well, I think it's just it, that the tone goes bad because it goes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, well, I think if you have someone that's that's digging in quite a bit and there's a lot of give to their string, by the time that string starts to resonate, it might be bent quite a bit out to here um, before it pops back and starts to vibrate. Right. Yeah. I think. I don't know. No, no that makes sense that that would be what happens. I just, I just know it when I hear it. <clears throat> that it, it sounds like it's being overplayed. Yeah. It's weird because you can hear it and not see it. And go like, oh, they're overplaying. Mm-hmm. And maybe not. It might just be that their strings are too light. Might be. Interesting. I mean, but I would mean, it be true that it takes a little finer technique to be able to work heavier gauge strings? You have to have... Because it seems like you're fretting. you got to press a little harder. I mean, the, where you place your fingers and all that's going to be... Not. I mean, I play with, with pretty low action as well. I know... Um, uh, you might want to explain low action. Okay, so my my strings are pretty close to the fretboard. They're not really high, uh, and so I don't have to push very far for the string to touch the fret. Doesn't that make them more likely to rattle? It does, but I'm using heavier gauge strings, so there's not quite as much give. They fight <laughs> me back a little bit. Okay. I still prefer, because I play with a pretty light touch, I do that because... I don't like the sound of a really fast decay, as you tend to get with higher action. I like an even response. I like to hear a note kind of sing for a little while. I don't want this huge jump and then a quick, right? You know, loss. So that's why that's why I play the way I do, the way I have the instruments set up, the way I do, um, is because that's just my preference. Um, I don't like, despite the fact that I played in a punk band before this, I don't actually like loud stuff <laughs> in general. Maybe that's why I play quiet. I don't know. You know, if but, you were to line a bunch of players up <clears throat> that people know and say which one of these guys used to, or girls used to play in a punk band, you would probably be the last one chosen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, that's <laughs> probably... Socially awkward, politically incorrect somehow, but <laughs> I don't know how, and I don't really care because yeah. it's just <laughs> when you first told me that, I'm like, oh, that's unusually interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So hey, before we run out of time, let's sure. do what we said we were going to do. Sure. I love talking to you, uh, and I've learned a lot in this thing already. Me too. Before we do what we say we're going to do, <laughs> one of the things that we've been toying with is you teaching me. I mean, I, I can strum a mountain balsamer mm-hmm. and play a couple of songs that I memorized, but I don't really play it much. And me teaching you hammer dulcimer. Yeah. 
for a reason. And your reason was, just go ahead. I mean, why, why do you, you're so, like, yeah. So with, with most musicians that I've worked with in the past, I can listen to them and look at their fingers and know where they are, know what they're playing, and have an idea of what I should play as a result. When I watch you playing the hammer dulcimer, I'm totally lost. I have no idea what you're doing. And Sometimes I, to... I am too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and even even playing. It's just hard with, to um, read if you don't know anything about the instrument. Yeah. 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 But um, even you know, in some live settings, like uh, um, if we didn't get the chance to rehearse very much, and I think there's a chance that that they might go to this section mm-hmm. first. I can watch their hands and where they're going, and I know if they end up here, okay, I I know where they just right. went to. They're in this other section. Um, and that's how that goes. Because we mess up all the time on stage, sure. as I'm sure everyone already knows. And it's just, I think it's really nice to, I feel like at least I've benefited from knowing a little bit about the other instruments that the other musicians are playing with. Oh, yeah. I played uh, at Buckeye last weekend for one of the jams. I played mm-hmm. upright bass mm-hmm. and hadn't played upright in a while. And it, was, it was really not the smartest thing. It was Thursday night that I did it, and I got a blister, and I had to play Friday. <laughs> <laughs> got a blister right on the finger that I, you know, the hammer nice. pressed. So I was realizing this wasn't smart, but it was fun. And I didn't know some of the songs they were playing, so I spent most of my time watching the guitar player. Yeah. That's the way, yeah. Uh, also, I just really like the idea of carrying around 35, 45 pounds of instrument with me everywhere I go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, why not? <clears throat> yeah, we need to get you a carbon fiber if we do that. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's really try to stay on topic for just a minute, which sure. we still haven't gotten to the topic. We were going to say, <laughs> we were going to talk about uh, the process of creating something collaboratively. And we really have no specific plan about what we're about to do. Don't know if it'll be any good or not. Kind of doesn't matter. It's about the process mm-hmm. more so than it's about the, the product, I think. Because eventually, if you do the process enough and the process is good, you'll come up with something like, hey, that's yeah. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And while this isn't some blanket way that's the way you do it, this morning I was practicing something that I, I mentioned that earlier that was mm-hmm. difficult. And it's still difficult. And in the process of trying different ways of practicing that, I came up with something that I thought sounded pretty cool. And it was, uh, let's see if I can do it again. Hey. I have to remember how I was doing it. Let me get the, let me get the exercise going, sure. going again. And I'll bring it back down to D so it's easier for you. practicing people I'm doing a four stroke single which is like triple at one so this is right left right left left right left right now spreading it out and I'm doing a triangle there's really probably not time to explain that and then basically reversing the triangle I just thought, all right, so I'll modify that just so there's okay. something we can do with. So what if I just started with this? I start. I like the more the, the seventh sounding one better first. So and, and make off. me change it, you know, as you would. I mean, okay. So you're starting on. You want the notes that actual yeah. notes I'm playing? Yeah. So we, we have a C. Uh, <clears throat> we have a D, and then up above that we have a B, B. and then an, uh, 
an F sharp, is that right? I think you're playing a G sharp. I mean, look, a G sharp, yeah. So you're in E? No, I would consider this to be resolving to D. I'm not starting on, on the root chord. Because it sounds like you're resolving to A. You're exactly right. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you're looking at it like... And, and by the way, this is good. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing most of the time because I don't think about notes. Okay. And I think you mentioned that to me one time as well. You kind of start... Maybe you're better at this than me, but I just kind of sit down and start playing a pattern mm-hmm. and find something that I think relates well to that pattern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also look at patterns that can morph into something else. Mm-hmm. And I've used this comparison before, but it's cool. The Bach inventions, the Bach etudes, and all those kinds of things, from my understanding, is that a lot of those were like experimentations, inventions, like where Mm -hmm. you take something, and then you move it. You modulate it a little bit, and you keep the basic same movement, and you work it out mathematically, and then it produces something that's kind of nice musically. So that's where I start. But I doubt that on anything we collaborated on, that's where we'd end up. Yeah. And that's okay. You have to be, I don't know. Sometimes you come up with rules, Mm -hmm. at least to begin with. Yeah. And then you have, you don't have to, but the number one rule is you have to be willing to abandon the rules. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, for the sake of making something cool and musical. Yeah. So anyway, that, so that's the little thing I have to contribute. I was playing with this, uh, like for me to change this to D? Well, since you're since you're in A, I'm capoing up to four. I mean, but would it just for now? I mean, all I have to do is just move my position on the instrument. It'll change it to D. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, so you don't have to mess with the capo. Then. Oh well, I'm I'm actually already there. You're, if you're cool, all right. Yeah. Here we go. should say that while everyone may have fallen asleep during yeah. that, I don't know how long we were playing that. <laughs> if I was really working on something, I might sit on that for several minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To the point where I can really listen to it and start thinking of ways, okay, where might that change? Where might mm-hmm. that want to go to? Or does the melody want to evolve or present itself right now? Or does just another pattern or some other chordal movement come in? Yeah. I guess what I'm what I'm kind of hearing is ways that we can twin some odd melodies, maybe some syncopation here and there out of that, and then play with. Uh, once we find a melody, explore other harmonic possibilities. Like I like the. Um, so that's kind of how I was interpreting. In a mountain dulcimery kind of way. What, what, do, you kind mean, of what do you mean by mountain dulcimery way? I guess what I mean, I, sh- I think it's more accurate to say non hammer dulcimery way because okay. I don't have hammers. Gotcha. <laughs> um, okay. Um, so I felt it as like. like da, 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 da,
right, so moment of, of true confession. Yeah. You know, I just got scared for a minute. I'm like, okay, that's really cool. I don't know if I can do what he's doing. <laughs> but the truth is, he was doing exactly what I was doing just a minute ago. Yeah, I was copying you. I know. Or I was trying to. <laughs> Isn't that weird, though? Yeah. Because when you see someone else, maybe not everybody, but maybe insecure people. <laughs> <laughs> you see somebody else doing something. There is that little moment for me of like, oh, oh, no. And then I go, well, no, wait. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was doing. <laughs> really, 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 that's true. Oh, that, now I just feel cool that, that I made Dan scared. Oh, that's easy to do. It makes it's me just feel go, boom. cooler than I really am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I was just copying Dan. <laughs> I really need to think about that last statement. That's deep on many levels. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if I could do something counter to you. That felt like it was going to transition to another chord right there. So what was it walking to? So I did use the flat seven in there in A, so that could have gone to a D, a B minor, something with an F sharp in it. Um, But yeah, I was just messing around. No, 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 but that was good. It felt like it wanted to change. Yeah. So I tend to like um, having come from a background in punk rock. I tend to like things a little more bitter, bittersweet, or at least a little less happy. <laughs> so, I like. So, it. like when you wrote "Hey Mom" in the I back know. of your mind, were you head banging? <laughs> <laughs> no, banging my head against the desk, trying to play it. Trying to play it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I still can't play it. <laughs> That's not true. Yeah. So, um, I guess with what I would be inclined to do, and. Don't take, never take it as well thought out. <laughs> the first thing that comes to you. This clearly isn't um, well thought out, but I think that's where some of the best ideas come from. <laughs> Very Aaron right there. You know, something. Like that. <laughs> I guess that's where, amazing. Where my ear wants amazing. to go. No. no yeah. Just... Yeah. We should end the podcast because I'm going to have to really woodshed on what no. you just did. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. This is really going to be fun to work yeah. on this stuff. Uh, what we, what Aaron and I have tended to do when we play together, and really we probably should have planned to just play a song, but we're, we're over an hour and so we have to stop just yeah. because of the length of the podcast. But maybe another time we can do that. Yeah, yeah, I would love to. Yeah, I want to do some of this stuff on Facebook Live too. Yeah, which is which is fun. Uh, anyway, what I was going to say was I tend to to play with dampers on a lot and sort of be. Uh, you've maybe heard me talk about it before, and Stephen Humphreys also that when Humphreys and I play together, we we kind of think of it as motor and melody. Yeah, I want to get away from that just a little bit with what you and I are working on and explore more of the tonal palette that I have. On this instrument because it's just yeah just I'm sorry for for doing a scene from Spinal Tap <laughs> listen to that sustain <laughs> <laughs> no listen no listen listen ah, it's still ringing <laughs> <laughs> well also influenced by that my volume knob goes to negative one <laughs> <laughs> we can play very quietly yeah. no 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 quieter than that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you've never seen Spinal Tap, it's probably okay if you don't, but it's yeah. hilarious. Uh, I've had a couple of those scenes. I mean, I've never blown up like the drummer did, but I have been locked behind a door, and it's about time to go on stage. Oh, wow. In, in big arenas. It's very, <laughs> very frightening. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This stuff <laughs> really amazing. happens. It happens. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Aaron. Hmm? Thanks. thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being had. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there anything else we need to do in, in wrapping up? Aaron has, uh, he's on Patreon. 
mm-hmm. and needs to be supported that way. Thank you. And he's easy to find. And if you don't already subscribe to Dulcimer Players News, you really need to do that. Well, you don't need... Really? That's not a need. Oh, it's actually, my need. <laughs> I, I, I do need to renew my subscription. I got the last issue right before we left here. So, uh, and it said, this is your last issue. There you go. So as soon as we get done here, I need to... It must to- be great to be at a place in life where you really don't have any more issues. This is your last <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> as, I, as I heard Noam Bukelny say once, and I really believe this, there are technical issues and there are emotional issues. Oh, wow. It's, it's better to have technical issues. Better, much better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.